Have you ever struggled with feelings of not being good enough, not feeling worthy enough, maybe not being accepted by others? It's probably something that most of us have struggled with at one time or another during our lives. We invite you to join the Care Pastors on our podcast series, What's the Matter with Me?, as we take a look at the origins of shame. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Care Ministries podcast. We are so grateful to be back with you this week. My name is Josh Masters. I'm one of the associate care pastors here at Brookwood Church, and I'm sitting here with two other fine gentlemen. I have Doug Wildman, who is our marriage and counseling pastor. Say hello, Doug. Hello there. And also sitting across from us is our fearless leader, the lead care pastor, Gene Beckner. Hi, Gene. Hi, Josh. And uh, Josh Taylor is our producer, but he is invisible and has stepped out of the room. So <laughs> we are hoping that this is still recording. Yeah, we'll know if it's taping or not. Yeah, we don't even know. Um, but we are here for week six, week six of our series, What's the Matter with Me? And this is going to be our final week. So if you have not listened, you are tuning in pretty late. So I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the other five episodes. Week one, we talked about the origin of shame. Where does shame come from? And we looked at some biblical examples. Then in week two, we talked about how does shame appear in our life? How does it manifest itself in our lives? Weeks three and four, we talked about some unhealthy solutions that people come up with to try to deal with shame in their life, like denial and self-improvement. Then last time we recorded, we talked about Jesus being the solution for our shame-based identity. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to do one more episode in this series and sort of discuss some practical questions that we can ask ourselves in that initial journey out of a shame-based identity, because mm -hmm. God doesn't want us to live in a shame-based identity. So each one of us are going to go over a question or two that we can ask ourselves as we start that journey toward leaving a shame-based identity behind us. So the first question that we want to ask is this. Is my value in my actions or are my actions based on an understanding of my value? And that's an important question because having a shame-based identity means that we don't understand our identity in Jesus Christ. When we have a shame-based identity, we associate our actions with who we are rather than being what we do. And so by asking the first question, is my value in my actions or are my actions based on an understanding of my value, that can help us evaluate how deep into a shame identity we are. Because if my actions dictate my value, I'm always going to come up short. Mm -hmm. But if my actions are based on an understanding of who I am in Christ, then we will have victory not only in our identity, but in the things that we do. Do you guys have thoughts about that? Yeah, I, I think that that's a, a major issue for a lot of the people that I talk to, for sure. Um, almost this um, performance mentality. If they didn't perform the way that they were wanting to that day, then they they feel like they are less than. Um, somehow their value as a human being has gone down. Right. Um, so, yeah, I would say it's a it's a major issue. Yeah. And if our identity is based in our actions— then we're always going to think we're less than because we'll, we'll never reach that level of perfection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was King David actually who said, "If uh, 
if God judged us according to our deeds, which of us would be able to stand? Mm. Right. So, and yeah. the answer is none. None. Yeah. None exactly. of us would. Yeah, and I think it's it's the difference between. Okay, say your actions didn't live up to your own expectations or those around you. Um, the difference between I failed and I'm a failure. Yep. Yes. You know, it's 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 those words sound similar, but they're hugely different because if I can make a mistake or I can fail and I may be disappointed and and maybe even a little discouraged, that's okay. That's kind of normal. But if I'm a mistake or if I am a failure mm-hmm. because of that, then you're getting closer to this issue of, um, you know, an identity that's that's not based in Christ. Because just like we talked about in week four when we were talking about performance and about achievement and all those things, there's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with achieving and having goals and that kind of thing. But if you don't meet those goals and not even your mood is affected. It's like your whole being is affected because you didn't achieve, mm. you know, then we're putting, and you see this a lot with, with athletes, you know, either professional athletes or parents who push their kids to perform in sports. Um, they're devastated mm-hmm. when they don't quote unquote win or don't right. finish first. So then we have to start going, okay, how much emphasis am I putting on this achievement or this action to where my value um, is so closely connected to it that if I don't achieve the goal, I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, like a lot of people struggle with putting time limits on things and then they don't meet it by a certain time. They're, you know they're kind of devastated or they quit because right. like, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a failure. And what I say to a lot of people who set goals, I'm like, you're one of the few that's actually setting goals. So right. with the fact that you're setting a goal and you're trying is something that is to be applauded. Mm-hmm. Right. But yet we have it backwards. We think if I don't do it 100%, if I'm not perfect, then who I am is degraded. Right, right. And that becomes a cycle that you can't get out of, right? Like what you talked about in terms of failure, being a failure versus failing. If I fail at something, I can get back up and do it again, try again. If I'm a failure, there's no point in trying again because it's coming out of who I am. Right. Right. There's a weird part of me too when I see someone succeed at something, you know, they're they're really successful at something. I rejoice at the fact that uh, I see them succeed, but there's also a, a little part of me that's like, but be careful because if your identity is in those successes, then, I mean, it's only a matter of time before that comes to turn around and bite you. Right. That's right. Gene, you had our second question. Yep. And I think this goes back to, um, and again, this may not apply to everyone, but, you know, for those that it does, you know, if something happens, if there's a conflict or a confrontation, do you always feel that it's your fault? Mm-hmm. You always take the blame. So, like, a situation doesn't happen the way that you thought it was going to. You don't meet the goal that we just talked about where we're putting our value in our actions. So this question of it, it was my fault, was it my fault? Or was it somebody else's fault? You're, the fact that you're looking for someone to blame 
for something right. is an is an indication that there's there's some shame based identity there mm-hmm. because if I say it's well it's my fault and I'm going to take the responsibility of that then that is just like a self fulfilling prophecy it's just further proof that you are what you think you are and if Christ is not the center of it, then you're going to be looking at your actions. And I'm kind of going back to your question, Josh. You're actually going to be referring back to those questions. And then in your heart, you're going to say, because of that, I'm a failure. Therefore, it's my fault. Right. And then it leads into all kinds of things. You know, yeah. I mean, a lot of times that's where people can get depressed. That's where people can take their lives. That's where people can, um, you know, begin into addictions, you know. They talk about people falling off the wagon, all that kind of stuff, you know, with with alcohol and drugs and pornography and, you know, overspending and overeating. And and so what ends up happening is, is at the beginning of it, it probably felt good to say, oh, that was my fault. I'll just fix it. And as long as you could fix it, you were okay. Right. But God's not going to allow you to keep going down that path when he has more for you. And so then when it quits working, then you really pile it on yourself. Right. And then it's your fault, and then you can't recover. So then you, a lot of times people will go, well, it's always someone else's fault. So keep that in mind, too. A lot of times people do that because they have a shame-based identity, and they can't take responsibility because it will make them feel bad about themselves. Mm -hmm. And so what they do is they defer and deflect and say that it's always someone else's fault. And so watch that even in your own questioning. Am I always, is it always somebody else's fault? Because that can't be true. Right. It may feel true to you, but in reality, there's going to be a little bit of you in this and probably a little bit of someone else. You know, the old cliche, it's, you know, he's going to give his point of view, she's going to give her point of view, and the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Right. And I think the word that you used, always, is very important. Yes. It's always my fault. Yes. Is different than this was my fault. Right. Because we do have to take responsibility for the things that are our fault. Yeah. Absolutely. And we do exactly. have to hold people accountable when it is their fault. Right. Or they're part of it. Right. It's very, it's not very often all one sided when we have a conflict. But the idea of everything is my fault. Right. Or everything is your fault. It's always my fault. Or it's always your fault. Those those always statements indicate a place of unhealthy being. Because it's a short jump, like you said, when we Mm -hmm. start going down this road of depression, it's a short jump from everything is my fault to the world would be better off without me. Right. And another word to use is never. If -hmm. it's never my fault or you never do what I ask you to, or I never get it right, like that self-talk to yourself is another indication of maybe some unhealthiness that needs to be um, touched by God because the always-never dynamic Mm -hmm. really puts you in a corner. You can't get out of that because it's so all-encompassing. And, you know, it's okay to say, well, it feels that way. That's quite yes. all right to say that. It just doesn't mean that it's necessarily the truth. Yeah, I, I was just going to say the same thing. It's, I wanted to come back uh, to the reminder, too, that there's oftentimes a disconnect between what feels true and what actually we right. know is true. Right. Um, and so um, as we're sharing these these thoughts, we're always kind of 
thinking of it through that lens? What is yeah. the what is the automatic thought that comes into your mind? And then the last thing I want to say about this is that what keeps us from being able to accept the responsibility is because, again, this idea of failure, having failed versus being a failure. If my identity is in Christ, I can go, you know what? I dropped the ball. I messed up. I'm sorry. I'll take responsibility. And it doesn't do anything to how I feel about myself. It doesn't change my identity. It doesn't change one iota who I am to God. If, if I have a hard time doing that, or if I find that I've got to give it to somebody else, like a hot potato, then there's probably something in me that is connected to my behavior, my actions, and that may be a, a transforming of my mind that needs to occur with kind of like what you were saying, Doug, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Mm-hmm. Some transformation from our, to our mind needs to occur, like Romans 12, 1, 2 talks about. And I think you had the next question, Doug. What yes. do you have there? The question was, is God displeased with me or is God angry with me? Mm. Um, that may be an automatic thought that comes into to our minds. Um, with all of these things, you know, experiences teach us, you know, what kind of automatic thought to have. So if we come from a background, for example, where we were often – a quote-unquote disappointment, mm. um, it's very easy to see how that can transfer to our relationship with God as well. Mm. You know, falling short. Um, if you have a, if, if you had a, a parent who was often angry at you and um, almost treating you like, well, I had no other option but to get angry at you because of fill in the blank, then it makes sense that you would feel that way about God. And again, not that it's true, mm-hmm. but it can feel true mm-hmm. as an automatic, an automatic thought. I, I was uh, thinking about the difference between conviction and condemnation. Mm. And um, condemnation is satanic, according to what the scripture tells us. Um, it's meant to tear us down and to, to beat us up, mm. um, to discourage us. And it always avoids any kind of solution. It just kind of leaves you there. Mm. Whereas... Um, Conviction, it like Josh, you had said, you know, sometimes it's true. We need to know mm-hmm. if we've done something that is wrong. Right. Um, and God is kind enough to point those things out to us, but he doesn't just leave us there. He doesn't just kind of – it's not like the, uh, the condemnation, uh, the satanic right. type of thing that um, just sort of leaves you with no solution. God always says, come to me. Yeah. And, and I will, you know, if you confess your sins, you know, um, it says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have, a, we have someone we can go to um, when we are um, feeling convicted. We can go to our Father, our Heavenly Father, who is, who is full of mercy and, and love, putting us on the right path. Um, in the scripture, I mean, from from start to finish, there's always a um, a sense of, hey, guys, get on the right track, and then you will be restored. He doesn't just sort of leave them there saying, mm-hmm. man, you guys just really stink, mm-hmm. you know. He says, come back to me, and things things will go well for you. And so um, not so with, with condemnation. Right. It's more like you are the scum of the earth. And that's it. Um, 
So that is, that's a real common one that I come across. Yeah. Right. And sometimes when people feel convicted about something, they jump to that conclusion yes. that God is mad at me. Yes. When really conviction is the first step out. It's God reaching out his hand to you saying, let, let me help you yep. out of this path. Yes. Right? Yep. Like when, when Jesus was preparing to go to the cross and he told his disciples, don't worry that I'm leaving. I'm sending the comforter. Right. And it's the Holy Spirit who will comfort and teach you and convict you of your sins. Mm -hmm. It's a positive thing. Yeah. It's it's to help us out. But you're right. So many times we interpret that as condemnation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So if you think about it, just sitting here, I was thinking the first question that we asked is, is my value based on my actions or my actions based on understanding my value? That's really about a perspective of our actions, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then the second question is everything my fault or everything somebody else's fault is a perspective of our circumstances to a certain level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then what you just talked about is our perspective about God, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And that is really the problem with shame. Living a right. shame-based identity is a perspective issue that we're seeing ourselves wrong, we're seeing the world wrong, we're seeing God wrong from the wrong perspective. Right. So the only way to start reversing that right. comes out of our final question in the podcast. And the final question is this, am I willing to learn how to experience God's thoughts towards me rather than my own thoughts towards me. Mm -hmm. Because our perspective is wrong. So the only way to work our way out of a shame-based identity is to start seeing ourselves through the eyes of God instead of through the eyes of shame and through the eyes of the enemy and through the eyes of the world or even through our own eyes. Because mm -hmm. all of those are warped. So we ask ourselves, am I willing to learn? Because right now I don't know how. Mm -hmm. Am I right. willing to learn how to experience God's thoughts towards me instead of my own? What, what are your thoughts on that? Right. Even going back to what Doug said, I think people struggle with this idea that God's angry or frustrated with me or displeased or disappointed is because we, we pretty much live in a world that is conditional. If you do this, yeah, then this will happen. If you're a good girl, you get a cookie. If you're a good boy, you get dessert. And so a lot of it is based on behavior. And so mm -hmm. we learn how to play the game. But with God, it's unconditional love is what the Bible says. It says he loves us with an everlasting love. It doesn't change. I think people struggle with grace. Yes, And absolutely. it's all grace, but they struggle with grace. So they believe, well, I got to do something. I got to earn it. Perry said it on Sunday, too. Mm -hmm. I got to earn God's favor somehow. And so I think people would answer, Josh, I think people would answer your question, well, of course I'm willing to learn. But if you keep going, I think they're like, because I want to do it right, because I want to make sure I'm in good standing instead of realizing if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are already in good standing. It's like trying to yes. convince your parents why they should let you keep staying in the house when you're eight. And you prove to them, <laughs> right? With a you're, PowerPoint. Yeah, and, yeah. You're proving to them why they should let you stay. And they're going, you're our son. You're our daughter. You wouldn't need to do that. Right. Yep. And here's what happens to people who do learn is they begin to experience something that's beyond words. They begin yeah. to experience something that is hard to quantify with words. 
and it's because it's spiritual. It goes beyond what our intellect knows. It goes beyond what we've ever experienced before. And so it's a beautiful thing, but it can be quite unsettling because then things start to change on the inside. Hmm. So I think most people would answer that question, yes. But helping people dig a little deeper and say, you know, you're about to get in a, in a rushing wind, right. you know, or a rushing river that is mm-hmm. going to be quite different. It's going to be the most exciting ride you've ever had, but it's going to be quite different. And it may be a little scary at first. Unsettling, yeah. for sure. And I think it's important that we use the word experience. You pointed out as we were preparing for this yeah. that we want to use the word experience. I think the three really important words are willing. Yes. Like, are you willing? Yeah. To learn, learn being the other one, yep. and then experience. Yeah. Because there are lots of people who can say, yeah, I know God loves me. Yes. And they know it intellectually. Yes. But they don't experience it. They don't feel it. Yep. It's hard. I would say it's impossible truly to have a shame-based identity if you truly understand the love that God has for you. Mm-hmm. Which goes back to that first question that we asked. If your value is in how God sees you, no. there's no room for shame. Yeah. Well, the Bible says that perfect love will cast out fear. You know, fear is connected to shame because there's a there's a concern that I'm not living up to some standard yeah. and that somehow I'm going to be found out and therefore I am bad. Right. Yet God says you're a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Exactly. In Ephesians. It is, it's interesting to me how often we have ways of sabotaging our self. Right. Um, And it's not that I think people enjoy living in, in bondage. Um, I think what it is, is they, they don't know any different. Mm -hmm. And so if they, if they start to do something according to God's ways and God see things from God's perspective, Mm -hmm. it's just incredibly unsettling. They don't know, they don't know what to do, so they they revert back to what they know. Yes, and uh, what they know is, in a weird sort of way, it's working for them. Yeah, um, even though it's dysfunctional, and even though it causes pain, mm-hmm. um, so they they return once again to some of these messages like, "You're not enough unless you perform well." Right. So imagine all of a sudden if you've been living with that way of thinking for you know, your whole life. And then all of a sudden somebody comes along and, and tells you, you know, that your identity is not really based on how well you perform, but you've been living that way the whole time. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's going to be like this internal battle. that's going to be like, uh, I'm not too sure about this. Mm. And so if we go onto autopilot, like a lot of people do, um, they will default to what they've known. Um, so there can be almost a hesitancy in healing. Yeah. Yeah. Very strange. Which is why the question is, am I willing? Am I willing? Right. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes the first step is to become willing. Am mm-hmm. I willing to become willing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is what we talk about in Celebrate Recovery a lot. Mm-hmm. Am I willing to let God reform these character defects that I have? Yeah. And the only way that we can deal with what you were talking about, meaning like my identity has been in this for so long. Yeah. The only way to come out of that is replacing your identity with the identity of Christ. Yes. Because you can't just drop one identity and not replace it with something. Yes. Right? Yeah. You, you hear people talk about, you know, they lose their job and they say, if I'm not this, I don't know what I am. Yep. Yeah. Men especially. Yes. And and I think 
women too. You know, you you hear, you know, if I'm not a mom, I don't know who I am. That's true. You know, but I but men are very tied to what they do, mm-hmm. and I think that can happen with women as well. But yeah. but a lot with men. Sometimes you need to be willing to drop your old identity and then pick up your new identity, which is in Christ. Colossians doesn't say that we can carry two identities. No. It says we have to put on our new nature. That's right. We have to become a new creation. And that's very intentional, Mm -hmm. I believe. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we want to be an encouragement to you. The next step you need to take, if you feel like you have been struggling with a shame-based identity and you listen to our last podcast episode about how Christ can be the solution to that and these questions today have struck a chord with you, the next important thing is to get into community. Mm -hmm. Because if you are living in a shame-based identity, your perspective is already wrong. So you can't work yourself out of it. You need positive influences and the body of Christ to surround you and remind you who your identity is in Christ. So we want to encourage you to get in community. We have several paths that you can take. And there's going to be a phone number at the end of this podcast that you can call. You could get into counseling and we can walk through that with you with one of our lay counselors. You could join the community at Celebrate Recovery, which meets on Thursday nights here at Bookwood Church. And some people think Celebrate Recovery is only for a chemical addiction, but two out of three people are there for shame-based identity and codependency and anger issue and and all the ways that that manifests itself. Mm We could also connect you with a TPM facilitator and walk through the transformation prayer process and help you dig out where that shame-based identity came from. There's lots of avenues, but it's really important to get connected to communities. So we'd ask you to just reach out to us and we will be happy to walk with you. Again, that phone number is going to be at the end of the podcast, but let's end out this series with prayer. Father God, we just thank you that you are a God who sees us differently than we see ourselves. So many of us have been told lies about ourselves. So many of us have told ourselves, so many of us have told lies to ourselves about ourselves. And Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to see ourselves through your eyes instead of through our own. Lord, take away the lies of the enemy, the lies of this world, the lies that we tell ourselves, and allow us to focus on the fact that we have an identity in Christ, that Christ gave his very body so that we could be set free from the shame of this world. And I pray for anyone who is listening and ourselves as well. Give us your perspective rather than our own. We give you praise in the name of Christ. Amen. 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 We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us. If we can be an encouragement for you in your prayer life, or if you'd just like to connect with us at Brookwood Care Ministries, you can do so by calling us at 864-688-8355, or you can visit our website, brookwoodchurch.org forward slash care. So we have to be willing to not only drop what the false identity is, but we need yeah. to be willing. But we need to be willing to pick up. Drop it like I it's said, hot, drop, Josh. And then I dropped my notebook. <laughs> I thought you were using that as like an illustration. <laughs> is it, is it, Sometimes that only works. <laughs> that would work on video, but um, wrong medium, Josh. Yes. I love it. It's great. <laughs>